What's going on, everybody? You're listening to a New York Giants edition of the Postgame Report. I am your host, JVB. All right, so the New York Giants lost another game to the Miami Dolphins. Last week, I didn't give a score or prediction as to whether the Giants were going to win or lose against the Miami Dolphins because I was pretty confident that they were going to lose. Of course, I'm a New York Giants fan through and through. So I'm always going to assume that the New York Giants are going to play well and possibly win a game. I don't care who the hell they're playing. So in the back of my mind, I had some thought that maybe the New York Giants could pull this off against the Miami Dolphins. And at some point in the game, there was a possibility that being down by seven at the half, 17 to 10, that the New York Giants would somehow pull this shit through. Unfortunately, it seemed like the New York Giants on offense couldn't move the ball for for any reason, and that the defense, when they needed to really make a statement, they were giving up huge chunks of yardage per play. They had two very good plays where, and I'm talking about the defense on, for the New York Giants, they had the 97-yard touchdown return, or actually, it was about 100 yards. The Dolphins were at like the three-yard line of the New York Giants. It looked like it was a definite score. And there was pass deflection by a Kurkay. And uh, it was intercepted by one of our safeties and returned for over 100 yards for a touchdown. It was a great play. It was an exciting play by the New York Giants defense. And you saw how fast uh, Jason Pinnock is. So let let me remind everybody who is listening for the first time. Or maybe you're not, but you just didn't realize that I have a brain injury. It's four years now. It was a work-related injury, and I will forget names, or I will say the wrong name of a player. If I were listening to myself, (laughs) I would be frustrated uh, listening to somebody butcher names or forget names. So with that being said, I apologize ahead of time. The fact that I couldn't remember Jason Pinnock's name as I was talking about him getting the interception, that is just an example of what you will hear. I will forget names. It's just how it is, unfortunately for me. So back to football because nobody wants to hear my fucking sob story. So the New York Giants offensively. The offensive line had two new injuries. McKeithen was out. And then you had Bredesen going to center. You had, now, (laughs) for a while I was calling uh, Nowinski, Glunkowski for some reason. So it's Mark Nowinski. (laughs) He was the former starting right guard that was benched because of bad play, and now he is forced back into the starting lineup. 
And then you have Josh Azudu playing tackle. And once again, Josh Azudu had a horrible game. He gave up a big sack that took Daniel Jones out the game. And once again, people were saying that he was truly devastated in the locker room. He was in tears. He's a young kid. As I stated, well, let me not say that with confidence because I don't know if I did say this during the last episode. But these are young kids. And a lot of them came from winning programs all the way uh, as far as uh, Pee Wee League. When you're an NFL player, you are most likely, regardless if you're a starter or a third string or a practice squatter, growing up, you were the best of the best. And that's why you're in the NFL. So a lot of these young players for the New York Giants have never experienced so much turmoil. I don't know if I spoke about Evan Neal and what happened with him talking about the New York Giants fans and why would he listen to a bunch of sheep, burger flippers and stuff like that. It was very uncalled for on his part, but he was frustrated. And he wasn't thinking. And he made a huge mistake by going against the fans. But he apologized the next day. From what everyone says who covers the New York Giants, all of the beat reporters, they say that Evan Neal is a real gentleman, a good kid. So it could be a simple, a simple mistake where he was out of character, he was frustrated, and he was just caught at the wrong time or the right time if you're the reporter who reported this. The reporters don't give a shit. They want to hear things like that so that they can get, you know, they can get eyes on their content. That's how they make their living. So you have Josh Azudu, who was drafted to play guard. He's playing left tackle, the most important position on the line. Next to quarterback, it is the most important position on an offense. So we have McKeithen getting, getting injured, and you bring in Mayfield, who was released, I believe, by the Atlanta Falcons. I could be wrong. So he's been on the Giants practice squad. And then you get another guy, Thomas, I believe is his name. I've never heard of him. I believe he's a rookie. He's also on the Giants practice squad. He comes in and replaces Bredesen, who was bleeding through his nose or something. So Daniel Jones, for a few plays, had to, <laughs> he had to take snaps from a practice squad player. The first snap that Daniel Jones takes is low to the ground. And then you have Mayfield, who... Coming into the draft, I think a few years ago, he was somewhat viewed as a promising prospect, but in his former team, he played extremely poor. So, I don't know if it's a situation where the New York Giants just got the trash that was thrown out by other teams. They signed former first-round pick, Justin Pugh 
who played for the New York Giants. He's another one. I believe he came from Syracuse. He was drafted by the Giants in the first round, was forced to play left tackle, played adequately. Actually, he played pretty well. But he was a tackle coming out of college. They said his arms were too short, that he was better off at guard. When he did play guard, he played well for the New York Giants. Unfortunately, they couldn't sign him. He goes to Arizona. He plays well. But he was injured last season, and he's over his 30s. So the New York Giants sign him. He's on the practice squad. I expect Justin Pugh to be playing and and starting for the New York Giants pretty soon. I mean, why not? He's a guy with experience. Maybe his body holds up. Maybe his body doesn't. But the one thing that you will uh, go into the game feeling some confidence is that Justin Pugh has the experience. And he's an established offensive lineman. If his body holds up, the mental part will still be there for him. So there's a better chance of him picking up stunts and which is the biggest problem so right now i'm being uh i am being distracted by a bunch of beeps going on on the computer so i apologize so anyway so the big issue right now for the new york giants offensive line which happens to be something that has been an issue for many many years for the fucking giants is that they can't pick up stunts Now, would an experienced football player like Justin Pugh nullify that? I'm pretty pretty sure that that will help the young offensive linemen. And I'm talking about Evan Neal, John Michael Schmidt, Josh Azudu, Andrew Thomas. Now, Andrew Thomas is an all-pro, so he's going to be on an island by himself. You have to worry about the other four players. Evan Neal had a better game last season. I mean, excuse me. He had a better game last week against the Miami Dolphins. And maybe this is a step in the right direction for Evan Neal. But now he has to go up against the Buffalo Bills defense. And they have some ferocious pass rushers on that defense. They have an all all. Pro Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer, uh, and I, I can't remember his fucking name right now, but I know his freaking face, his number, and everything. <laughs> so eventually, I will remember his name, but he's coming back from an injury. He gives all pro linemen fits, so I could only imagine what he's going to do if Josh Azudu has to play, and Evan Neal is still trying to figure things out. Because Evan Neal's 6'7", Rousseau, I believe, is 6'6", and then they have Espinosa, who's another tall defensive end. But the gentleman I'm talking about, he's about 6'2", 6'3", and he has this amazing bend coming around the corner at full speed, and that is going to be a nightmare to see. Can Neal handle that? He's had trouble with speed. He's had trouble with leverage. And I'm not looking forward to that matchup. 
Now, it would, it would be nice if I remember the fucking guy's name because he's a future Hall of Famer. So, um, I will, and I'll probably remember it in the next minute or so. And if I do, I'll bring him up again. So, not only do the Bills have good pass rushers coming off the edge, they also have Oliver in the middle, who is a smaller but quicker defensive tackle. And Wilkins for the Miami Dolphins, he was giving Bredesen fits. So, I'm not looking forward to this matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Because the Buffalo Bills have a lot of talent on their defense and a lot of talent on their offense. So, let's go back to the game against the Giants and the Dolphins. As I stated, they lost. The New York Giants, that is. So, on offense, the offensive line, they were actually opening up some holes for the running game here and there. The Giants... On offense, we're actually trying to run the ball a lot more. And I'm pretty sure it was because of necessity. They didn't want to put Daniel Jones in passing situations as frequently as they have in the past four games. And they featured Eric Gray, the rookie. He was showcasing his quickness. He's not the fastest running back, but he's very shifty. And he was actually showcasing those skills. And... They used them a lot more than they have throughout the season. It's a very young season, only five games in. So if Saquon Barkley continues to sit it out with his ankle injury, I can, force, I can, I can see where Eric Gray is going to get more carries. And that's a good thing because he did showcase some really nice cutting ability, good balance, Everything people talked about him coming out of college. You don't see the speed, the breakaway speed that Breida or Barkley have. But at running back, if you can get four yards, that's great. Because now you have second and six. You hand it off again. It's third and two. So that was a little... (laughs) A little bit, there was a little bit of promise with Gray. Overall, the running game didn't affect the outcome of the offense because it wasn't as effective as it should have been. And then, because of necessity, they had to pass a lot more because the Miami Dolphins, once again, and I'll get to their offense and what the Giants did on defense, they were getting chunk plays easily. So when it came to the passing game, there's nothing new. Daniel Jones was getting smacked around. There was, uh, I believe Daniel Jones was sacked six times. Tyrod Taylor had to come in. He was sacked once. Actually, he was sacked twice, but one was called back because the defense had a penalty for the Miami Dolphins. But he was pressured immediately. The first time he stepped back, You see Tyrod Taylor running around. So, Daniel Jones, a lot of people have been, well, a lot of content creators 
have been, and, and let me not say all of the content creators that cover the New York Giants, and I'm not talking about beat reporters. I'm talking about folks like me. There's a big divide. Either you are someone who hates Daniel Jones, or you are someone who likes Daniel Jones, and then there's me, who is who is going to cheer for the quarterback of the New York Giants. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't matter the name in the back of the jersey. It matters the freaking logo on the helmet. So if Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback next week because Daniel Jones, his neck, you know, he has a neck injury. He can't play against the Bills. I'm going to cheer for Tyrod Taylor. Plain and simple. I'm a New York Giants fan through and through. Daniel Jones made some nice passes that were dropped. Darren Waller dropped a touchdown. And then there were a few passes that Daniel Jones missed. He missed an easy first down to Robinson. And that's what you're going to get with any quarterback. They were showing uh, during one of the Chiefs games, Kansas City Chiefs, you saw a player open that Mahomes missed. Same thing with Philadelphia Eagles. They showed a video of Jalen Hurts totally missing a wide open tight end in the end zone. So it happens. It happens to every fucking quarterback. But once again, these content creators that all they do is bash Daniel Jones, they will. I saw one accounts i'm not gonna name names i saw one account that i don't follow but on twitter maybe because i follow a few new york Giants content creators maybe the algorithm says hey you might want to see this other content creator and i've seen this individual on twitter spaces this person posts a photo and circles a wide receiver for the New York Giants that is supposedly open. And then you look at Daniel Jones in the pocket, he's already in throwing motion. Now, I don't know if this person really played football because according to this individual, they know a lot about football. They're an expert and they have a podcast and everything. When the quarterback's already in passing motion, the defense is going to pursue where the ball is going. So it looks like one of the New York Giants wide receivers is open in the middle of the field, but that's because his defender is already paying attention to the ball being thrown and the direction the ball is being thrown. It's simple football, right? But these people want to create this narrative that the New York Giants have the worst quarterback in NFL history. Has Daniel Jones played lights out? No. Against the Arizona Cardinals? He did. For one half. He had a lot of missed passes against the San Francisco 49ers. And against the freaking Miami Dolphins. He was hitting wide receivers in stride, and they couldn't come down with some of these passes. But not every wide receiver is going to be Jerry Rice. 
not every wide receiver that is on the New York Giants is going to perform like Aldell Beckham. So the New York Giants, they do have some talented receivers, but they are not going to make these magical catches where they are dragging their feet and half of their bodies out of bounds and they manage to catch a pass and still hold on to it. They're not. Amani Tumu was great at it. You see Justin Jefferson for the Vikings doing it so flawlessly. And that's the thing. A lot of these wide receivers, they are so athletic and skilled that they make these things look easy and they expect every wide receiver to do it. No, it's impossible. So Daniel Jones, he had, he had no time in the pocket. When he did, he was able to find receivers. And once again, he did have a bad pass to Robinson that he could have released a little earlier, give Robinson some momentum as he caught the ball because he was one-on-one with a linebacker. And Robinson is a very shifty player. And he would have gotten a lot more than that first down because chances are he would have made that linebacker miss. So that was a big miss for Daniel Jones. And then Daniel Jones gets hurt. Now I saw him running out of the pocket. He gets pushed. He gets shoved out of bounds. And he lands really hard on the ground. And the way that I saw his body react, I said, oh shit, Daniel Jones is hurt. But he got up. He kept playing. A few plays later, he scrambles to his left. He's sprinting towards the sideline. There's a linebacker in pursuit because the Miami Dolphins have fast freaking linebackers. And Daniel Jones slides, which is something that a lot of people have been complaining about with Daniel Jones is that he doesn't slide. He'll take on defenders because he's a big freaking quarterback. Daniel Jones slid instead of trying to get three extra inches on the play. Daniel Jones will fight for yardage. And right there, it's confirmed that something was wrong with Daniel Jones. Then later on, Josh Azudu, he, and it's, it was shown on, on the replay, he takes a false step, and Van Ginkle, for the Miami Dolphins, he just sprints right around them and hits Daniel Jones with all of his force. I don't know how the hell Daniel Jones didn't fumble. I give him credit for that one because he was holding the ball with one hand. And that was the last snap for Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor had to come in. Now it was already the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like we got to see a lot of Tyrod Taylor. And the game was already out of reach. So Daniel Jones got hurt for nothing. I mean, it was a matter of time. Daniel Jones really gets beat up. These five games, Daniel Jones has gotten his ass whooped. Whether he's scrambling out of the pocket and defenders are just hitting him a lot harder and getting away with it, hitting him out of bounds and getting away with it, or simply being sacked by multiple defenders. Daniel Jones has been getting his butt whooped all season, and it's only been five freaking games. I believe he's on pace to 
break records for the amount of pressures and sacks. So it's pretty embarrassing right now for the New York Giants offense and that offensive line. Maybe Justin Pugh comes back. Well, maybe he's not even come back. He needs to prove that he's good enough to still play for a roster. Maybe he proves that he becomes a starter. And maybe when John Michael Schmidt comes back at center, either Bredesen or Izudu, they take the left guard position and uh, Thomas goes back to left guard. I mean, excuse me, left tackle. Maybe when that happens and those players return, maybe there's an improvement, a big enough improvement to where Daniel Jones can actually sit in the pocket and find Darren Waller, find Jalen Hyatt, utilize Robinson in the short game. And then you have Saquon Barkley, who is still out. Maybe when he returns, and maybe he will only return when those linemen come back, and I wouldn't blame him. Maybe when he returns, the defenses will show a little more respect to the play-action pass. Maybe they will fear Saquon Barkley's receiving ability a little more, and they won't freaking cheat. And, and, and move the defenders towards the line of scrimmage and defend the short pass. Even though Saquon Barkley is a running back, and I've spoken about how the running back position has been devalued and the NFL and, and the contracts for running backs has really uh, been, you know, like a smack in the face to running backs. So, unfortunately, Barkley is injured. This would have been a great time had Barkley wasn't injured. And, it, and listen, it was, it's not his fault. The way he was tackled against Arizona and the Giants' luck, it was at the very end of that Arizona game. So it's not like Barkley gets injured by just stepping on the field. It was a freaking tough tackle. The guy bent him backwards as he was being tackled by you know, other defenders. But imagine if Barkley wasn't injured and he was effective. For him, that would have, that would have shown in his favor that he is a valuable asset to this New York Giants team because he is, but he can't stay healthy. So that's a tough break for him. I'm glad that it wasn't a torn ligament or a broken bone so he will return, and he will have a chance to showcase that, listen, when I'm not here, when I'm not on the field, the offense suffers. Now, of course, it's a team game, so you're going to need your line to play effectively. But with Saquon Barkley, you give him a small hole, he could take it to the house. So you can compensate for less talented play on the offensive line. You, you don't, and in the passing game, if you give him a quick toss, if you give him a quick pass of three yards, he can, make, he can make a few cuts and take it 20 yards. So there's an element missing when Saquon Barkley is not on the field. So what I'm trying to say is that in a perfect world, all of the 
starting players for the New York Giants offense, they return and they instantly play to their potential and improve this offense. That's in a perfect world. Who knows if Thomas has something has something going on that, that is not being revealed with his hamstring? That could be the case. John Michael Schmidt, the rookie offensive uh, lineman, the center, he has a shoulder injury. Is it the shoulder that he snaps the ball with? I don't even know. Injuries are unpredictable. So in a perfect world, yeah, everybody would come back. Daniel Jones would play better because the offensive line is back and stable. And Saquon Barkley coming off an ankle injury is back to where he was as a rookie. That's in a perfect world, but this is the NFL. Things happen. So the the offense looked like garbage against the Miami Dolphins. Plain and simple, because that starting offensive unit, the offensive line that is, they just couldn't generate enough consistency to allow everything else to work. And the Dolphins were having a great old time getting sacks, getting tackles for losses. That defense for the Miami Dolphins didn't have to work too hard. Now, for the Giants on defense, they forced a fumble. They had a sack by Thibodeau, who has four. He already tied his rookie sack total. And they had a 100-yard-plus interception return for a touchdown by Jason Pinnock. You would think, with that, with what I just told you, that the New York Giants were able to win this fucking game. But no, that wasn't the case. Because <laughs> for every good play the New York Giants did on defense, the Miami Dolphins had three huge plays to nullify those big plays. As a matter of fact, there was another interception by Okereke that was closer to the end zone, uh, to the Dolphins' end zone, that gave the, the starting offense less of a distance to score a fucking touchdown, and they couldn't. So, when I say chunk plays, I'm talking about a 70-plus yard touchdown. Tyreek Hill, one of the fastest, if not the fastest player in the NFL, caught a few passes and just sprinted past everybody. Then you have Waddle, who is also one of the fastest wide receivers in the league. He didn't necessarily have chunk plays, but he did score. He did score a touchdown. And the rookie, A-Chain, he is just as fast as freaking Tyreek Hill. And he was, every time he, every time they handed the ball off to him, it seemed like he was getting 20 yards a carry. And at one point coming out of halftime, the start of the third quarter, the Miami Dolphins, they had the ball on offense. And they dominated the New York Giants defense with ease. With ease, they fucking scored at will on that first drive coming out of halftime. Any momentum that the New York Giants had on defense, 
or, or offensively, I don't, because at one point it seemed, as I stated, it seemed like the Giants were still in the game at 17-10 at halftime. But the Dolphins came out and said, you know what? It's, it's time to stop playing with you. And they were just, it was like Madden playing a fucking, using a 99-rated team against a 65-rated team. <laughs> like, it was no competition. The Dolphins said, all right, you guys made a few plays. Here we go. And if it wasn't for a few key plays by the New York Giants defense, the score would have been even higher. I, I don't even remember the fucking score of the game because it doesn't matter. They lost in embarrassing fashion. When an offense generates over 500 yards of offense in a game, there's no way you can say that the defense played well. But to, the, to give credit to the defense, though, the offense is not helping. When you put a team like the Miami Dolphins on offense, your defense is going to be tired because they have some of the fastest players in the NFL. They have like three of the fastest freaking offensive players in the NFL. One, you know, an offense, an NFL team is lucky to have one player who runs in the, the low four threes or high four twos. The Miami Dolphins have three, four legitimate four three players. And they're not just speed guys. These are productive, talented NFL players. And that's a dangerous combination. So you can count on the New York Giants going to Miami in a different, warmer climate and running around on defense trying to catch up to these players. And they had some key turnovers, but the offense didn't do them any favors. And so the defense had to keep going out. And even though the New York Giants had the time of possession, that's because the Dolphins were scoring so fucking quick. So even though the Giants had more possessions, <laughs> those possessions were like over and done with pretty quickly. And then the Dolphins were scoring so freaking fast. So you have the New York Giants winning time of possession, but the Dolphins had over 500 total yards on offense. They had like 200 plus yards on, on the running game. <laughs> That's crazy. You would think that a team who gets over 200 yards rushing in one game, you would assume that they're running the clock out, playing a slow game. But then you look at the passing game, and they have almost 400 yards in passing. And I could be, I could be over with the passing yards, but the running game was just comedic. I mean, it seemed like every time they handed a ball off to either running back, that they were getting chunk yardage. And then you throw a quick screen at Tyreek Hill, he's getting chunk yards. <laughs> and then they're doing these reverse plays. I mean, they would, 
using all of their key weapons, and it was confusing for me to watch. I could imagine the defense trying to freaking read all that stuff as it's going on, and not only trying to read your assignments, but looking at these fast-ass players going in motion and doing reverses. I mean, the Giants did not have an easy task. I mean, the entire NFL has had trouble with the Miami Dolphins, except for the Buffalo Bills, who were very physical with the Dolphins, embarrassed them. They destroyed them. They destroyed the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Giants got to go and play the freaking Bills at home. So, yeah. The defense, they had some interceptions, which is good, because they didn't have any leading into this game. They had another sack, which is good. Kayvon Thibodeau, he, and I stated this earlier, I said Kayvon Thibodeau is not, you know, he doesn't have any sacks, but he will start getting sacks in chunks. So he had two last week. He has one uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And he was getting pressure. He, he could have had a few more against the Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins. But yeah, neither, you know, I guess for, let me see, Gano missed another field goal. <laughs> the punting unit for the, the punter for the New York Giants, they call him the Irish Hammer or whatever. He's actually been okay. Last season, he, people wanted him out. And he's actually been, he, he improved a lot. So I guess that's a silver lining. <laughs> but yeah, the New York Giants as a whole, they just, they are not ready. They are not ready to compete against the NFL. And, uh, you know, there's a talent gap. When you don't have your starting five on the offensive line, you immediately have a weakness. And when that weakness is atrocious, there's really not a lot an offense can do. You can slow down the game by running the ball a lot, but then your defense is giving up chunk yardage, and the Dolphins are just scoring with, like, with it. Now, I'm always over-exaggerating here, but it seemed like it took them a minute to go 80 yards, like, it was that freaking fast. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bad opponent to be facing for the New York Giants in the state that they currently are in offensively. Now, their starting quarterback is injured, starting left tackle, starting left guard. Well, actually, Bredesen was the starting left guard coming into the season. So he's healthy. He's back. But then your starting center is out, your starting right guard is out, and you have a struggling young right tackle who actually played better this, this game against the Miami Dolphins. He did. But he is still trying to, he's still trying to work himself into being a good player. And then defensively, they, I don't know what they're doing with the rotation when it comes to Dexter Lawrence and Leonard, Leonard Williams. 
it seems like every time they take them out and they put in the backups, it seems like teams are just running 10 yards a carry. And sometimes they do it at the goal line. And it's, it baffles me. And I understand that you don't want to wear out Dexter Lawrence. You wanna, you're in Miami. It's hot. But last season, Dexter Lawrence played a lot of freaking snaps. And it didn't matter what quarter it was, Dexter Lawrence always looked like he was running at 100 miles an hour. To his credit, he's 350 freaking pounds moving like that. So that's why they signed him to such a large contract. He's the best player on the defense. But when you're so close to your goal line and you take him out, what the hell is, I, I don't understand that. I really don't. So there needs to be some, some adjustments to this defensive line rotation. You're either going to have to put Dexter Lawrence in there a lot more. I mean, I mean, that's the only solution. You have pretty decent backups, but it seems like they are not that good to defend the, the run. And also to their credit or in their defense. You have Ashawn Robinson. You have uh, uh, the Rook, no, Davidson, who's a second-year player, and uh, Nacho. And, you, and at one point, there was a play in, in, the, in the Giants, uh, near the Giants' end zone. The Miami Dolphins were, like, maybe three yards away. There was a wide gap on the right side of the Miami Dolphins freaking line or to the left side of the New York Giants defensive line. There was this fucking gap. And I'm like, where's the defender that's supposed to fill that gap? They're going to just run right there. And that's exactly what they did. They had an easy ass rushing touchdown. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Either the players aren't communicating correctly and they're stupid where they can't grasp the, the scheme or maybe the scheme is not working anymore for Wink Martindale. I don't know what the hell it is. The same thing with the offensive line. Guys are missing stunts. And it seems like every team in the NFL, when they play the Giants, their defense is going to do a lot of stunts because it seems like, like that's how people are generating quick pressure against the New York Giants. And it, it also looks like teams are like, hey, dude, I know you never play. You haven't played it down this season, but do you want some sacks? Here, go ahead. Go, play the, <laughs> go over there and do a stunt. You'll get a sack. It seems like people are just mocking the New York Giants now. And you see it. On, on the sidelines when they when the cameras go to the sidelines of the opposing team it seems like they're freaking joking around about hey man you want a sack go ahead you know give me five bucks I'll let you uh, take a few snaps yeah you know New York Giants are the joke of the town now they have the worst record of all the New York teams you know Giants Jets and then Buffalo Bills. The Jets have a winning, uh, you know, not a winning record, but the Jets have a better record than the New York Giants right now. And rightfully so. <laughs> the Jets, 
Their defense, they play aggressively, regardless if they're losing or not. They fly to the ball. They hit people. They freaking, hey, if they're going to lose, they're going to make you pay. The New York Giants don't have that. And I'm, I'm pretty freaking tired of that. Unfortunately, I, well, fortunately for me, I grew up watching football in the 80s, the 90s, you know, and so, you know, ever since the 80, late 80s, mid 80s, excuse me, mid 80s. So I saw football at when it was, you know, rugged and raw. Now we're seeing a watered down NFL where if you are a freaking nutcase on defense, the NFL is fining you or you're, you're, you've become a villain. Look at uh, Dominican Sue. He is a throwback to the old NFL. You know, being a dirty player, you know, doing extra under the freaking pile, being a villain, not being liked by his, oppo- his, his opposition. And that's what Dick Buckus, who just recently passed away, that's what he was known for, intimidating the hell out of you, spitting in your face, poking you in the eye when you were under the pile. He didn't give a shit because you were his enemy. You were the ball carrier, and he was going to fuck you up. Nowadays, if a player plays with that mentality, they're deemed a freaking villain. Now, last week against the Seahawks, I was speaking about a defensive player that was going at Daniel Jones' knees and then caught a concussion. I was talking about Jamal Adams, former safety and draft pick for the New York Jets, who is now a Seattle Seahawk. He made a tackle on one of the New York Giants' uh, offensive players that reminded me of the football I used to watch. He destroyed this freaking offensive player. So he's like one of the last freaking defensive players who is nasty, doesn't give a shit about the offensive player that he's going against at the moment. And he's going to destroy you if he catches you in the wrong position and he tackles you. You know, he's going to, when you get tackled by Jamal Adams, you're going to feel that shit. And the New York Giants don't have that. They don't have that nasty player. Dexter Lawrence is a beast. He's a freaking force to be reckoned with. He can take on two freaking blockers, move them to the side, and still make a tackle for a loss. But he's not, he is not an intimidator where a team is like, Man, I better not get hit by Dexter Lawrence because he's probably going to freaking elbow me in the throat when, when nobody's looking. That's what I want my fucking Giants to be. I want one of the linebackers to be a mean, dirty bastard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you, Harry Carson didn't give a shit about the opposing offense. Would freaking smack you. Because you were an opponent. But then after the game, hey, good game. And he goes to the locker room. They're not sharing fucking jerseys. They're not hugging each other. It's a boxing match. You show your respect after the match. 
and then you go to your locker. And there's a winner, there's a loser. But during the fucking, during the match, the goal is to knock your ass out. And that's what's missing for this, from this New York Giants team. No one is out there intimidating the opposing team. And I, I'm not used to seeing that from the New York Giants. So they're going to face the Bills in Buffalo. They're going to lose. <laughs> the New York Giants are going to lose against the Buffalo Bills because the Bills have too much talent. And they do have those players that will smack you in the mouth. They do have the players that will intimidate you. And their pass rush is good. Their run defense is good. And that is not going to help a freaking poor offense. That's not going to help the New York Giants at all. I mean, imagine the Dolphins had... The Dolphins and the Seahawks, they had, their defenses weren't highly ranked. But against the New York Giants, they looked like they were freaking ferocious. So... It seems like the New York Giants are the cure for bad teams, you know? <laughs> and then you have Josh Allen on offense for the Buffalo Bills, and if he gets going, that dude is he's tough to stop. He, he will run it, and he will embarrass you if you're trying to tackle him. And because the New York Giants don't have that aggressive defensive player, that intimidator, on defense, uh, Josh Allen will probably embarrass a lot of the New York Giants tacklers. <laughs> so I'm not looking forward to that. And once again, I would love to eat some crow. I would love to be wrong. Offensively, the New York Giants are going to face an adequate uh, secondary. They're, they're hurt. They, they have some injured players. But so far, they've, been, they've, they've gone up against injured defensive teams. and still couldn't generate any freaking offense. And then defensively, you have to figure out a way to stop Josh Allen, and you have Stephon Diggs. And to the, to the credit for the New York Giants, you know, uh, Banks, the, the New York Giants rookie cornerback, he's, he's gone up against some really good NFL wide receivers and has held his own. So that is promising. That is really promising. So I would imagine that we're going to see Diggs and Banks going at it quite a, quite a uh, few times. And it's going to be a huge test for Banks. So far, he's, been, he's done a lot better than I expected. But there will come a stretch where he's going to have a tough stretch of games because he's still a rookie. So this could be one of those days. Because, you know, as I stated, you have Josh Allen and you have Stephon Diggs, two all-pro players. And if the Giants cannot generate enough pressure to throw Josh Allen off his game, if he has time to sit back there, oh, man, it's going to be a long freaking day for this defense. Because you can... You can hit Josh Allen. Doesn't mean you're going to take him down. The dude is huge. He's a tough-ass player. And he can scramble. The Giants have a lot of trouble with quarterbacks who are mobile. Uh, 
So there's a lot of things that favor the Buffalo Bills that really are at disadvantage for the New York Giants. It's not a winning combination for that New York Giants team going into Buffalo, and I expect another loss. But what I want to see is fight. I've been saying that all fucking season. I want to see them fight. You will lose, but at least let the entire NFL know that even if we lose, we are going to fuck your ass up. You're going to leave, you're going to leave this game bruised and battered. You might have won, but you'll remember me. <laughs> That's what I want. I want one of these fucking players, whether it's on defense or, or offense, to just intimidate people back. It's only a matter of time before talent overtakes effort. And that's what you saw against the Miami Dolphins. The New York Giants had so many different offensive linemen that were, that were signed off the street that eventually, no matter how hard they play, no matter how much they try, they are just not good enough. And if the New York Giants got to go back into Buffalo with that starting offensive line, Oh, it's going to be, you know, don't even put Daniel Jones. Don't even put Daniel Jones. Even if he says he can play, why even bother? If I'm Saquon Barkley, why even bother coming back? <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? My ankle still hurts. Maybe I'll be back against the Washington Redskins. I mean, Washington Commanders, excuse me. It's unfair. It's unfair for a starting quarterback to have to endure another beating like that. Tyrod Taylor has a little more quickness than Daniel Jones and experience. He has way more experience than Daniel Jones. So he may be able to escape and generate a few yards with his legs, but he's smaller than Daniel Jones and he'll get his butt whooped if he gets hit as often as Daniel Jones has been getting hit throughout the first five games of this season. So yeah, New York Giants are going to lose against the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I'm not going to even predict the score. I'm not going to predict an offensive MVP because the offense is yet to be able to generate any type of steady drive enough to... They, they haven't even scored a fucking touchdown in the first half of this season yet. It, it's, it's baffling. I know a lot of people want to fire some coaches and stuff like that, but this all starts at the top. This starts at the top because this has been an issue for many fucking years before Dable and Shane, Joe Shane came in, before any offensive line coaches came in. This has been, I, I looked at a Facebook post that I, yesterday that, I, that was posted seven years ago and it basically said the same shit that I'm saying right now, that the New York Giants have too much talent to be playing like shit on offense and that the offensive line is an issue. That was seven years ago. Eli Manning was still here. He was getting sacked and, and pressured a lot as well. Not as bad as Daniel Jones, but Eli Manning, towards the last few years of his career, he had to deal with bad offensive linemen. So. This has been an issue 
for many fucking years, and it's not Joe Shane, it's not Brian Dable, it is at the upper management, whether it's the owners, whether it's the old scouts, maybe there's some, there's some people still here from, you know, a decade ago that are still scouting players, I don't know, or maybe there's a situation where, where ownership is having the final say over the GMs, I don't know. Because there's no fucking way that seven years ago I was talking about the offensive line being poor, and here we are to this very day still talking about the offensive line being poor. There's no fucking way that that is a coincidence. A lot of content creators have been bashing Daniel Jones. You see a Twitter space, and it's, it says, talking Giants football, or blah, 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 you know? And this happened yesterday. I go into a, a Twitter space. One guy is screaming at the top of his fucking lungs. He had this annoying fucking voice, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs about Daniel Jones. I was like, hell fucking no. So I left. I go back 10 minutes later. There's a guy, a different speaker, talking about Daniel Jones. <laughs> Basically repeating what the other guy said, but at a, a lower toned voice saying that Daniel Jones is the issue. Yes, Daniel Jones is part of the problem, but he is not the only problem. And when I see people making Twitter spaces that say New York Giants football, talking about football, talking about reactions to the Miami versus Giants game, blah, blah, blah. I expect people to talk about every facet of the game they just saw or every facet of the team, not just sit for three hours bitching about Daniel Jones missing one fucking pass. Even when Daniel Jones came back against the Arizona Cardinals, because he was very instrumental in that comeback win. As a matter of fact, he was a huge reason for that comeback win. Right away, people were saying the same fucking content creators who love to just sit for hours and bash Daniel Jones. Those same content creators were saying, but it was the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> so they gave him no fucking credit. Meanwhile, the next week, Arizona beats the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott throws an interception from the five-yard line of the Arizona Cardinals. What happened? It was just the Arizona Cardinals, but they embarrassed Dak Prescott. They made plays against that vaunted Dallas defense. The point is that you never know what's going to happen game to game. That's why they play the fucking games. That's why they get paid so much money. You have the best players in the world playing against each other. So anything can happen. The Giants were down, uh, I believe, against the Arizona Cardinals, what, 21-0 or something like that. And they came back and they won in the second half. They looked like total shit against the Arizona Cardinals in the first half. 
and they played well on defense. They play, played well on offense. And no one wanted to give Daniel Jones the credit. Oh, it's only the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Cardinals have been playing everyone tough. So, hearing these so-called experts, you know, these guys love to deem themselves football experts. They, they subscribe to, you know, like uh, the All-22 They'll tell you, oh, I was watching the All-22 film, and I noticed, you know, this player didn't do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, please, motherfucker. Your ass is just a regular Joe Schmo like myself who loves to watch football, but at some point, somebody must have said something that swelled your head up, and now you think you're the almighty fucking NFL analyst. <laughs> These people believe in their own shit, their heads are swollen, and they claim to know all this football knowledge, but all they can do is complain about the same quarterback over and over and over. And last year, it was okay because the Giants were winning and Daniel Jones wasn't perfect either, but he played a lot better than he's been playing this year. And even during the first few games of this season, I was listening to these spaces because I was like, all right, you know, they're not happy with Daniel Jones, rightfully so. And then they win the second game against the Cardinals, and they're still not giving them the credit. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. But after a while, I was like, you know what? This is a pattern. These guys don't know, don't have the creativity to talk about football, even though they claim they know so much about football. All they can do is stick with the one topic that they know is going to generate some interest because there's an, a, a, a group of people who just hate Daniel Jones and they flock together. That's all they give a shit about. All they want is that interactivity. They want to make the loudest noise. They want to scream the loudest and say that they know about football and say, hey, I told you so. I don't know what that means. Like, what does I told you so or see, I told you guys last season, Jones wasn't good. What does that do for the New York Giants? What does that do for the person who says, all right, let me listen to this individual. They say they, they, they know a lot about football. Maybe they can tell me what the hell's wrong with this New York Giants team. Why the offense can't block. Why the receivers can't get open. Maybe, I can, maybe they'll tell me some things that, you know, the, the, the sportscaster or the announcers who were, who were on the game, maybe that they didn't tell me. Because, you know, as a New York Giants fan, I'm frustrated. I want to hear other Giants fans come to, a you know, some type of conclusion as to what's wrong and what the New York Giants can do to improve. And then you start listening to these guys whining and, and, and fucking screaming at the top of their voices like a bunch of morons yelling about Daniel Jones every Twitter space for hours and hours. And then as soon as you... 
disagree or you try to make a counterpoint, they get on your fucking case. Like they get all over you and they start fucking screaming at you. They mute you or they even kick you out of the space. Now it hasn't happened to me because I just don't speak in spaces because as soon as some fucking moron starts raising his voice at me, I'm going to lose my shit and I'm going to tell him to go fuck his mother. So I avoid that because I know I'm dealing with immature pretenders. And then there's only like one or two Twitter spaces that I will go to because they're just as passionate as I am. They will talk about Daniel Jones, but they will also talk about all the other elements. They will talk about the offensive line and what's going on and why aren't receivers getting open. How the, how the defense is missing tackles or they can't, you know, why the linebackers aren't able to freaking fight off blocks. They'll talk about that stuff. So I stick with those people. I stick with those people because they're the type of Giants fans I want to talk to. They don't pretend to know more than they say. They know enough to point out the obvious that they, they know enough to point out the issues that I want to talk about. I still won't talk. I just listen. But that's just me. But yeah, th- you know, there's such a divide when it comes to the content community surrounding the New York Giants. It is comical. And it's annoying. I spoke about the time one guy was saying, oh, I know Daniel Jones is thinking this and he's doing this. And I'm like, dude, you're a fucking retard. And you're saying this with such confidence that it makes it even more annoying. And so I'm going to leave this space. (laughs) And for those of you that don't like me to use the the R word, eh, fucking, you know. You can log off. You can stop listening. And you can go fly a kite. But yeah, you know, there's a big divide. And actually, when there's a community surrounding content creators for whatever topic it is, it could be photography, it could be video games, there's a divide as well. So it's not just football. It's not just New York Giants fans. I'm sure there, there are Kansas City Chiefs fans who are bitching about something or Eagle fans who are 5-0. and The Eagles are 5-0. and I'm sure they're bitching about something too. And there's a division between the community of content creators surrounding the Eagles. So it happens. It's just annoying, you know, that these people speak with such confidence, but the shit that comes out their mouth is like, what the fuck? <laughs> So yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going to stop bitching and I'm going to wrap things up. But yeah, once again, the New York Giants are going to lose against the Buffalo Bills. And uh, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> there's no MVP for me in, on offense or defense. It's just not. Uh, it's as simple as that. We don't know if St. Quan's coming back. We don't know if Andrew Thomas is coming back. We don't know if Daniel Jones is coming back. We don't know if Schmidt is coming back. McKeithen. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on for the starting offense. 
So it's not looking good. Even if the Giants were at 100% on offense and defense, they would still most likely lose against the Buffalo Bills. Because the Buffalo Bills are that fucking good. So, anyway. I'm JVB. I'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.